0: Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So one topic that keeps coming up for me as I dive deeper into old fashioned ideas is the idea of movement. And I'm guessing that you've already heard more than once, probably pretty much everywhere that we need to move our bodies more, right? You know, our modern world, we are set up to be more sedentary, we're sitting in chairs, we're slumped over our computers a lot. I mean, I'm totally guilty of that. Uh, And so that's a common message. But one topic that I have become more and more interested in over the last few years, especially as I was researching my own book, and diving into some research was not just the idea of moving more, but how are we moving and how can we make little changes in our everyday movement, whether that's how we're sitting in our desk chairs or how we're doing our chores in the barnyard to not only mimic what our ancestors may have done, but also set us up for success and help us be healthier um, with better longevity. So I have a really awesome expert joining me today to speak to this topic. Katie Bowman is a biomechanist Mechanist or mechanist? How, how, how do I say that? I nailed it. Okay. I shouldn't have second guessed it, myself. All right. You nailed it. Um, and she's it also right. the best biomech. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I biomech. That. She's the best selling author of many books, but her latest is called Rethink Your Position. If you're watching it on uh, video today, I have it right here. You can see my sticky notes on the cover. She is an acclaimed expert on the mechanics of the human body how to align it properly, to use it effectively, and address the stresses that repetitive use can cause. Um, she's been featured all over the national media, NPR, today's show, New York Times. She knows her stuff, and she also has a homesteading background, which is an icing on the cake. So welcome, Katie. I'm so happy to have you with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So it's I, I really think this idea of not just moving more, which I think moving more is good, but moving better is something that's really interesting to me. You know, If I can just be more efficient in the middle of my busy life and just make little tweaks, I think that's really attractive. So I guess to kind of kick off this conversation, can you give us maybe a little bit of a brief history of kind of the progression over the last century or so of how we've become so sedentary and some of those effects that we might not realize that has on us. Well, we
1: can go, yeah, we can go back. You can look at the human timeline and see that overall, there's just a decrease in human movement and, you know, humans were once much more migratory. And, and even, um, we could say the last hundred years, obviously our lifestyles now are completely different than our grandparents and our great grandparents. But it was really like, I, I think of the timeline in terms of when I'm looking at where did the movement go, Starting with, um, there's always been humans cultivating where they live for ease. Like that's not a new phenomenon. It's always to the scale, to the extent that they're doing it and the, and the rate at which there are, uh, as a change in some of those things happening. So you know, there was a, a wide scale movement to farming, um, as opposed to like foraging, you know, and, and hunting in that way. And then you could look at another big marker, and that would be the Industrial Revolution, the introduction of machines. And that's, you know, 250 years. So that's not it's larger than a century. But that was the kickoff for sort of where we became more automated through machinery. And then there was the age of the computer. And that changed things once again and then now we're in the age of the smartphone which is like a very specialized computer and each one of those brings about many developments and a certain amount of ease but it also comes with uh, a hunk of movement that these advancements have been replacing so humans used to do a ton and now we have a lot of infrastructure that does a lot of the movement for us and and makes it so there's not really Space for us to move for the things that we need. So now that leaves this new category called fitness or exercise, which is movement done just for the sake of generating physical fitness. But it does—it's not necessarily tied to an end product like food or shelter or relationships. And so, because we've severed that relationship with movement, the, the functional relationship that we had with movement, we struggle to try to fit it in now. yeah, I think that functional piece is
0: so applicable to. I know our life as homesteaders and um, not professional farmers, but just doing our chores and taking care of the animals. Uh, I, I also work out in the gym, but I also I love even more the days when I'm planting a garden or cultivating, and I'm getting my workout in, and I'm outside. It just is like the, the best of all the worlds, and so so it was more of a a progression of kind of layering on this change in how we're moving versus one big domino over the years?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been, it's just subtle changes. Like you can see, I mean, we just lived through uh, a natural phenomenon. You have this, you know, you have a pandemic that happens and even that altered our movement in the last few years. Everyone's sort of, it's a disruption. And so humanity is just full of these things that happen to the collection, maybe not everyone entirely around the globe, but but large swaths of people. And then there are habits that arise from that or adaptations or new changes in technology. Um, and then that changes society. And so, yeah, it's, it's just been gradual. Although I would say that the last hundred years, probably since, since the car Mm. and the computer age has very much, um, accelerated that, that rate that we are seeing movement retreat from the the daily lives of, of humans. And we are starting to see that spread around the globe. Now it's not necessarily uh, a North American phenomenon. It's a, it's a global phenomenon.
0: What are some of the effects that people might be feeling? Maybe they don't even realize what it's tied to, but what are some of the biggest side effects of our, our sedentary culture, or maybe just how we're sitting on our computers or being on our phones? What are you seeing related to that?
1: Oh, I mean, my gosh, it's, it's, it's everything. Like, I don't think you can really subtract sedentary, from our physical experiences. Like, you know, like it's in the same way that it's really hard to pull out symptoms of malnourishment. There are just certain diseases that arise in the absence of certain nutrients and movement is a nutrient. And more specifically movement, you don't just need movement calories, right? That would be like Mm -hmm. move more. We all, we know that like get more movement calories, your movement starved. That's not really nuanced enough because Because many people listening to this, I imagine if they're homesteading, actually move quite a bit more than the average person with a desk job or only a desk job. And so one of the reasons I like to really be specific is there are plenty of people left who labor for a living, whether they're homesteading or they have other jobs that are physical, but they still don't feel um, good in their bodies because the movements that we do tend to be pretty specialized and humans are generalists. So there's like a, there's a, there's a spectrum of movement you would get throughout the day. If we went, looked back at that hunter gatherer population and it's, you know, longer distance walking and it's carrying heavy things and it is, um, bending over, but it's also in the context of, When you like not having chairs and not having furniture, so ground dwelling in general, sleeping low to the ground. And so we're just more physically robust when you have that diversity of movement. But the way we look at it, movement now is like I get movement all day, but it's a lot of bending over and like poking things in the ground, right? So it's a high volume of movement, lots of movement calories, but the movement nutrient range is pretty narrow. It's like eating the same food again and again and again. So we need to, Think both um, about the idea of movement calories, but also the idea of movement vitamins to make sure that our movement vitamins um, are distributed well throughout our body. And so that's 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 um, that's the piece I'd like to bring to it because what you're asking before, what could people expect? So many different things can relate to the movements that we're missing. And so I'll just give you kind of a A a strange outlier, which would be the idea of the muscles in our face and our jaw for chewing our food, as we go to a highly processed food. And I don't only mean like processed chemically; I mean processed Mm. mechanically. The fact that we're drinking, you know, a lot of of our calories, we're no longer masticating or chewing our food. Um, And so, one of the things I like to pull out is now they're really looking at the relationship between mastication function and cognition brain health because chewing it turns out pushes blood up to the brain and so it's like no one would put that in the fitness or exercise or movement category or even the sedentary like we don't think of our us having sedentary jaws but the fact of the matter is we do like we're so sedentary the sedentarism is permeating our culture in a way that we can't even see where it's missing so it can be really anything anything that you're having and your physical experience is influenced by the sedentary container, um, or we could also say the super specialized movement container. And that goes for repetitive labor. Also goes for athletes. Athletes who get a high volume, but it's the same, same movement, vitamin again and again and again. If you do the same mode of exercise when you do go to the gym, um, and so it's not you end up with like, man, I I feel like I'm getting my movement requirements, but this thing is hurting. I have this repetitive injury. I've got this. Problem. And so just understanding ourselves as not with machines, that's too okay. mechanistic, but we operate under a lot of the same principles that machines do, only we get to regenerate based on that input where a machine doesn't, it just wears down. We tend to beef up in the areas that we use a lot, and then everything around those areas can atrophy, but that causes its own problem because when you have something really strong, Next to something really weak, it also becomes a, an area for breaking away or potential injury, which is another reason why we want to diversify um, our movement throughout our bodies Wow that,
0: so much to unpack there that is I, I don't even know where to start so so good the first thing I love what you said about movement calories versus movement nutrition as soon as you said that I got the mental image so that is gold um, which I think yeah I know I have in the past in different areas been definitely more focused on just The calories versus the quality of the movement so that's really helpful to think about that in that way um also i'm fascinated by the chewing conversation that's just come into my awareness even i think yesterday randomly i saw a reel come up on instagram and Hmm. it was two scientists talking about how they can actually they're seeing people change the structure of their jaw just by chewing more is that have you witnessed anything in that
1: vein yes well i mean so like like we have really unique dental problems as a group of people. Um, Our relationship with tooth care and intervention to be able to keep up the basic functions of eating is something that has emerged um, for this particular group of humans living in this particular way. It's so um, ingrained in our culture. We don't even necessarily see like how much is going into keeping like a basic biological function going. But yes, we are missing the we are missing mouth face exercise. And mm-hmm. it's really can even starting from just the transition away from being um a a a breast or nursing delivery system for milk, you know, for for yeah. the mammals, like being mammalian. Um there's a there's a purpose to that. And I'm fully acknowledging that people have issues that can come up that make that challenging. And it's not to make anyone feel bad about breastfeeding, but it's to say like these things that have been with us as humans for a long period of time serve greater purposes than just delivering milk. So in this case, it's like the first workout um, program for the mouth and for the jaw and we come in and it's not like that. It's like forming the bones, it's forming the skull, it's forming the other tissues. Um, And so Whenever we, I mean, humans have moved away from many things that humans have done for a long time, and then there are technologies that come in that stand in for it, and then we just sort of go on as a, a society or as a culture. But our our infrastructure is getting larger and larger to, because it's replacing so many of those pieces. And so a lot of times, this, the solution in this case, you know, is just the idea of like, hey, chew more of your food, pick more. Literally whole foods, you know, go for those jerkies or just, or think about simply that your jaws, um, have muscles too, and look at, and look at your plate as, as its training program and be like, Oh, I I guess I did move to sort of soft pureed, finely cut, always grated, you know, no longer just reaching for the whole apple and stretching your mouth around it, you know? And so it's just that I'm, I'm mostly here to bring awareness to say, um, there's a lot of movement that we could be doing that is not in that fitness category that are still necessary and, and um, highlighting a few of the really common areas of um, sedentarism within our bodies, even if they're otherwise active, you know, like for the habits that we all have together, right? Like smoothies Uh, are sort of ubiquitous. All right. Okay. We all sort of went to soft food. How's the jaw going? How are the hips doing? How are the knees doing? How are the feet doing? You know, because we have these, we have the, a lot of these habits yeah. in common.
0: I, I love the awareness, though, because I, sometimes it's just as simple as like maybe, I, you know, chewing is good. Just like just we don't think about that. So and it's the simplest things. Yeah. That's what I love sure. about these old fashioned ideas, whether we're talking about movement or food or or whatever. It's like it's simple. You don't have to go buy something. You don't have to go, you know, invest a million dollars. It's just like, oh, I could right. pick foods that are whole and chew a little bit more. And it's just those simple switches. Yeah,
1: right. You don't have to get the mouth exercise. I did that's see that. Thing. Yeah. Like we're really good at <laughs> Well, and that's why, so that's emerged as, as where people are going like, oh, like we've got, so it's like a treadmill (laughs) for your mouth, but it's like, or you don't have to buy the thing. You can be more minimalist about it. You can be more lifestyle oriented because it turns out that that whole food choice does more than just exercise your jaw. It's also better for you. Dietarily, nutrition wise, you know, it's, it's not a piece of garbage, you know, it has less manufacturing. Like there's all these reasons we're picking the simple thing actually is not the minimal thing at all. It's the way to maximize, you know, your values are the things mm, that you're well after.
0: Said. I like that. What have we left behind in our race towards progress? That's the question that I set out to answer in my latest book, Old Fashioned on Purpose it's no secret to people like you and I that something is rippling through humanity at the moment. More and more people are feeling pulled and called to cast aside the baggage of modern life in favor of something more meaningful. To me, an old-fashioned on-purpose life is an awakening. It's a remembering. It's a returning to what matters. And it's available to everyone, whether you have a homestead or not. So the book isn't out yet. It's going to hit shelves on September 26th, but... If you pre-order right now, I've put together a kind of outrageous package of bonuses. There's a never-before-seen sourdough ebook, there's home dairy guides, there's printable wall art, uh, a virtual meet-and-greet, all kinds of stuff. And you can get that right away. So if you want to check it out, get all the details, head on over to oldfashionedbook.com. You can see the cover, you can check out the bonuses, and I can't wait for you to hold it in your hands. All right, now back to our episode. So um, I'm thinking about those of us who are homesteaders or gardeners, or we're doing lots of things outside. Like you said, a lot of, you know, a lot of us in this audience, are, we're moving more maybe than the average bear because we're sure. outside planting and checking the animals and such. But what would some, maybe something that people like me or people like us, what are some of the ruts we may fall into in our movement? And how can we be more mindful and diversify what we're doing out in the
1: homestead? Well, so so mindful movement, like I, when we think of mindful movement, we'll often conjure up ideas of exercises that are mindful, you know, like where you're thinking of good form, whether it's like training in the gym or it's or with a trainer or, or like doing yoga where like form guidance is explicit, um, explicitly packaged with the exercise. But when we go out to do, you know, walking to like move sheep or to um, plant or weed or whatever it is, we're not necessarily aware that there are also good forms for these particular movements. And so, so there's, there's a form that's best for you um, in every physical activity that you're doing. So to one, just recognize this, okay, the concept of good form applies no matter what physical activity I'm doing, even when I'm sitting, even when I'm sitting, I can apply this idea of, I have options when it comes to how I'm loading my body right now. And for those of you listening, you can be guided by your own body. Um, when you're in a movement and that movement is uncomfortable for your body or, or is like, ex- uh, excessively fatiguing You can, or you've seen yourself change in your ability to do it over time, you can do it less. You can't carry as much weight as you used to. Those are signs that, um, you could use a form makeover for that particular activity. So, so that's the first concept. It's going to be hard to deliver in a podcast format, what all those are. So, and so like, that's why I have books that deal with that, but well, let's start with there to be like, okay, even walking, even walking from here to there, whether it's your fitness walk or you getting somewhere, you know, on your property or to the store or whatever, to be like thinking about, okay, if I, If you've ever taken a yoga class and you've just been in a standing posture, a guided stance, you know, um, like a mountain pose, like where's your weight? Where's your weight in your feet? And where's your hips? Can you back your hips up? You know, instead of arching your back or really lifting your chest, lower your chest a little bit, pull your head back over your ears. You can take that same alignment with you when you're walking when you're walking, carrying a buck, you know, carrying buckets on each side, you know, instead of just grabbing it and then, and then trying to get to the next point as quickly as possible, because when we are homesteading, there's so much labor to be, to do. You're always trying to do it as quickly as possible, especially if you're farming, you know, then it's, then it's, um, you're producing, you know, so it has like that whole, I must do it as, as efficiently as possible. And it's not efficient to take the time to organize myself first. But I would say that in the grander scale of efficiency, you are also your best piece of farming equipment. You're your best piece of homesteading equipment. You're your best piece of parenting and community equipment. You're the vessel. So, so to, to go a little slower with better form. You know, if you notice that you hike up that right shoulder just a little bit more to relax both shoulders, flex your elbows a little bit so you can feel where the weight is. So I'll I'll leave that there with this idea of just looking at your form overall. Make sure you're in a good, strong position first before you start loading and twisting, you know, on it. Again, that'll be pretty general. I can be more specific with individual bodies or in more text, but it's just this idea of like, right, I have not been setting up my body to do the movement, but weeding is a movement. What's the good form for weeding? Using And then another thing you can do is cross-train. So it's the idea of using different tools or setting up your day in the best of your ability to um, cycle through different tasks so that you're using different parts of your body, even maybe setting up your your homestead or whatever operation you have, whether it's a garden or just even if it's just your, even if it's just moving around your house, and you're not a homesteader, you just like the idea of it. The idea of a variety of tasks using a variety of shapes, and then um, using a variety of tools sometimes for the same task allows you to get different movement nutrients in the same task. So that's another guideline. I like that. It's just the gym, the gym
0: idea, but applied to a more practical level,
1: which makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh, you know, I'm thinking of circuit training. It allows or whatever. you to get in that yeah. mindset of fitness.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's exactly right. So whatever you've learned about exercise is not applied to exercise only. It's your movement all the time. So whatever you've uh, been able to absorb in your exercise science exposure, just parlay that on to your everyday tasks because it's really just movement. Yeah. These aren't rules for exercise. They're rules for movement yeah, overall. I like
0: that. Now, I know you have – and, guys, go get the book because it's – there's so much helpful. Like, it's it's easy to understand. It's not crazy science-heavy, although there is good science in there. But she has some wonderful mm-hmm. diagrams and photos, and it's just super uh, well-explained. But, Katie, would it be safe to say – let's say someone gets the book and they're trying to remember the form, but if they're just kind of – let's say they're outside and they're trying to remember – what's proper and what you showed in your book. But if they're listening to their body and like you said, kind of like, does this feel strong? Do I feel balanced? Is that a good rule of thumb that you can kind of trust that instinct as you're learning where to put your different body parts?
1: Well, when you're first, when you're first starting, I mean, it, it is a general guideline to use, even if you didn't read any books, you know, and, and we're going to take that next step is just to like, bending over is a big one. Bending over and twisting for people, that's going to be one of the most vulnerable positions of your spine. And we tend to be pretty thoughtless before we pick up the heavy thing or the, a lot of injuries come from bending over to grab and then slide or twist. So imagine like a really heavy um, pot that you have that's full of dirt and plants and water, you know, very heavy and you grab and twist it, or you pick up a bag that you want to add in a pause before you do that. So like you don't even need any more specifics than that, but just first, Add a pause before you do anything where you're adding a significant load to your body or pulling or pushing, because again, the spine can be pretty vulnerable. And I want to just say that the spine is not necessarily vulnerable because it's a spine. Because of the way we've packaged our particular sedentarism, a lot of sitting, a lot of forward movement, think driving mm-hmm. position. What's happened is our thigh bones, our legs, have become overly fused with our pelvis, so the hip joints don't move very much. And the arm bones have become particularly fused with the rib cage. So the shoulders don't move very much. But you're like, well, what does that mean? Because I could still move my arms and legs just fine. Well, what it means is you're using your lumbar spine, your lower back as the hinge instead of your hips and shoulders. So that's the situation many people, most of us are in because we really were usually put in a chair at five or six years old and that fusion, it's, it's really not a fusion. It's an in, in, it's engineering to be like coupling the over coupling or over pairing of parts mm-hmm. that's stiffening between the parts. It's not permanent has started so young. When you go to pick something up with your arms and you like bring it to your chest and stand up, it's your lower back that you're standing uh-huh. up with. It's not your hips. It's not in your glutes. So our glutes are weak. Our butts are weak. Our low back is overused. Um, our shoulders are weak and it's our lower back that again is overused. So when you're bending over, a little simple rule is like when in doubt, stick your butt out. So if you're going to be picking something up, the idea of shifting your weight back, shift your hips back more over your heels. And in that way you'll be more in your glutes and less in your lower back. That's a little uh, mantra in most cases that will at least help you figure out like, right, I've, I'm looking at my form, I'm doing this mindfully, do it mindfully, um, no matter the form, even if you took exactly the form that you have by paying attention and going slowly, at least you can catch yourself when something isn't working, as opposed to being sort of mindless while you're picking something up and then just going too fast and too hard and too sloppy. And then er, you get that little problem you know in your back or that knocks you out for yeah. a week or okay, two that makes sense that's
0: interesting about the fusing I've, I've never thought about it like that but it makes a lot of sense
1: that's what yeah. tight hips are right like when when people say i have an anterior tilt or their post you know i like, think it means that their hip joint and their pelvis aren't free to articulate from each other there's a there's a relationship in there that's like chair baggage like you get out of the chair but you're not really getting all the way out of the chair you do it so often it's sort of yeah. Settled into your body, and so we want to be able to remove some of that that um adaptation that we have gotten to that environment and mm-hmm. that's what stretches are right that's what corrective exercises are is they're going in and saying you're walking a lot of steps, but your hips aren't really participating in many of those steps so so you your movement calories are up, but it's really poor in vitamin hip extension, so the hips aren't extending, and that's what you want to see in walking so I want you to maybe bring your steps per day down a little bit and focus maybe on hip extension. And then you put the two back okay. together again. Okay.
0: Um, you brought up sitting, which I think is such a big topic because we all spend so much time sitting. I mean, I'm a home sitter, but even I'm in the office on some days more than I'd like to be. And I try to mix it up, but I'm still, you know, there's some days sure. I just need six hours on the computer. And so here I am. And so um, for those of us who are finding ourselves in office situations or in chair situations, what are some things we can do to help with that?
1: create, um, a flexible work space that allows you to, um, vary up your position, because what we really have to do is usually be in place. Our eyes are on a computer, our hands are on a computer, but our butt doesn't have to be in a seat. It doesn't mean that we can't be fidgeting and and moving. So it doesn't mean that you have to be Mm. still. Um, so, so, um, create at least two different ways to position yourself when you're working. So that could, for me, that can be, um, Uh, you know, I have the ability to like flip up a crate or to stack books so I can have a standing workstation when I want to. I also have a couple things that I put under my feet so I can be stretching my lower leg, especially when I'm at the standing workstation. And, and then I have a traditional height and then I have exercise ball, which allows just a little bit more movement. And then I have what I like the best, which I really need the most, is a low workstation, and that's moving something to where I'm sitting on the floor. And in that mm-hmm. position, I can be sitting cross legged or my knees to the right side or the, the left side. And then I'm getting those hip stretches in. And that's again, that's, that's mimicking our anatomy's need to really be sitting more on the ground and then in the chair. You know, the, the shape of the anatomy really indicates. How, how the floor and the hips have been in relationship for a long time. And again, it's only recently in that last hundred years, we're like everybody off the floor and never go there Seriously, again. Yeah. And so exercise class, right. And then it's like, it wouldn't occur to people that they could get on their own floors, but they would go to a class just about basically getting yeah. on the floor to stretch things on the floor. And it's like, you can do that while you're watching Netflix. Like it does not have to be in a low tech scenario, it can be in a very functional um, way that you introduce these things that our body needs, but in the modern context. It's
0: funny how even in groups, social settings, it's almost like taboo to sit on the floor. Like if, you know, there's not enough chairs and someone's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just sit here on the floor. Everyone's like, no,
1: no, 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 don't do that. And like, no, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's not weird. Sure. (laughs) Sure.
0: Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, Definitely creating a, a cultural shift in your community is really you know, great, you know, putting out blankets and and just saying it's, or even letting people know it's like, it's going to be a floor sitting gathering, or we'll have some low stools. And, and just even like, if you don't want to go to the floor, simply not going to the same height. So chairs are also pretty uniform yeah. in their height. So adding things like stumps and stools and just a little bit shorter than you're used to sitting is going to start giving you more hip and knee an ankle movement just by getting up and down out of the lower chair
0: good tips okay um just to back up a little bit you i love just still thinking about this movement nutrient concept and you were talking about like you know in in the garden making kind of our circuit training idea can you i hope i'm explaining this right or asking this correctly what are some of the movement nutrients Mm -hmm. for lack like i hope i'm saying that properly that we could incorporate so let's say i'm in the garden i'm planting so i'm bending over bending over that's one nutrient, what's another, what are some other ways we could think of the nutrients or other categories?
1: Well, in the broadest sense, yes, the categories that I have for human movements and that, that really, um, you know, is coming from this book that I wrote, Move Your DNA. If you're looking at our lineage of humans and our anatomy, so walking a lot is, a that's a, that's like um, mm-hmm. a macronutrient. Like, so there's macronutrients and micronutrients, macronutrients for food or Protein, fat, carbohydrates, and then micronutrients would be the vitamin and minerals. So, if you look at the macronutrients for humans, we sort of have one in fitness that would be like make sure you get cardio, yeah. make sure you get strength, make sure you get flexibility. Um, I would say that those are one way of looking at macronutrients to be a little bit more specific and helpful to get the distribution of your body parts. I would say the macronutrients, in, from my perspective, look more like, um, again, walking humans. Do a lot of different movements, but walking um, is the most volumic of us as a species. Like a a tremendous portion of our day is filled with steps that take us from one place to another place. Um, We are also carrying; we're a carrying species. Um, So the fact that a lot of our steps would be done under some sort of load, you know, we we have this tremendous capability. um, And even when we look at populations that are that still subsist on hunter gathering strategies now, it's and and they have become sort of the iconic why are these people mm-hmm. so healthy? You know, outside of um diseases that are still prevalent, you know, mostly um environmental exposure stuff. They're their like cardiovascular health, like the things that are mo- that we're most susceptible to are not prevalent there. So um, walking a lot and carrying, a v- carrying in a variety of ways. So we tend to like load our axial spine, like throw something on our back. But the idea of like carrying in different arms and carrying some things on the right and then more passes on the left, not everything has to be symmetrical in the moment. Um, ground sitting is its own um, category of movement because again, it would be volumic. You would just be down there quite a lot, even if you're squatting down there and not completely on the ground. The fact that you weren't, you're taking your rest, but in a way that invoked lots of different shapes for your knees and hips and core and use of your core. It's called active sitting, um, pretty volumic category, um, climbing, you know, being able to get like up in a tree or at least like hang from your, your arms. That's that goes with carrying its arm use, but it really is about like the reaching, you know, we don't, our arms don't really go over our heads anymore. We've really designed everything so the arms never have to raise up. And then lo and behold, Mm -hmm. they stop being able to raise up. So like that, so like, those are the categories that you can think of when it comes to movement broadly. Um, and then if you want to look at like the way, the way that I look at a micronutrient has to do with really just where on the body is moving. Like that would be the most refined way of doing it. But a more practical way would be to look at all the different ways you could take your body through movement. So bending over with straight legs, bending over with bent knees, two different movements, twisting to the right, twisting to the left, two different movements. Um, Arching back is one. Reaching overhead, like I said, reaching overhead and like pulling, doing some sort of, (coughs) excuse me, movement from those positions for people who are doing physical labor that's like a different way that you can think about it and then of course of course hoisting or picking things up now you're going to blend some of those positions um uh, carrying you know holding things on the right holding things on the left so that's in general like that's the way to think about it is like what are the shapes that i am using what what are the shapes i'm putting my body in on a daily basis like could you answer for yourself what five positions mm-hmm. am i in most and like painters are going to have like painters will be like, okay, I want often you know, like my chin is up, my arms are overhead and I'm doing labor overhead. Like they can identify that as a position because when you're in it a lot, those become the positions that become hardest a bending over to the ground, especially for farmers and other um, land tenders. That's a big one, but it doesn't necessarily occur to people to just kneel on the ground. Like, because again, we have this aversion to the ground and getting dirty. So the idea of you can do a lot of your work sitting on the ground, yeah. just actually getting on there. You don't have to be up high and bending to it. Just lower your whole center of mass to it. But then they'll be like, well, I can't sit on my knees. It's like, okay, well then now you've identified part of your body that needs to be addressed because you not being able to sit on your knees is why you have to always flex forward to the detriment of your back. So, So by answering these questions yourself to the listener... That's how you begin to build a program for like, oh, these are the sedentary parts of my body, even though I'm otherwise active. My knees are sedentary. My left ankle is sedentary. My right shoulder is sedentary. My jaws are sedentary. And you can start putting together a puzzle of going, like like looking at yourself like Mm -hmm. a garden. I got a lot of weed clumps. These aren't being, this land over here is like not being fertilized well. The, the, Water is not being directed in this way. And so when you look at yourself, like you look at a landscape with that same idea of wanting to maximize the fertility or the production of a land, that's all you're asking to do for yourself too, is like I want all of me to sort of like be blossoming sort of at the same time and moving forward in time as a single unit versus leaving a portion of my own landscape. Yes. behind right yes. because it's hard we live in a very fast life and it's like i still got to do all these other things okay if my left shoulder can't deal with it then i can just do twice with my right shoulder and you can it's what makes humans because yeah. we're generalists so successful on the land overall as a species but individually if you we also want the individuals to flourish so it's this idea of putting that same eye to yourself and, and, and um, dealing with those pieces, dealing with the, the, that piece of farming equipment that you haven't been oiling, that you haven't been, or that animal on your farm, like yeah. I can just keep going. I love it. With my metaphor, I love it. You get, yeah. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um,
0: it just reminds me so much as we just look backwards and peel back the layers of modern culture. Whether we're talking food, or I just I love when you're speaking to the idea of generalist versus specialist. It just reminds me of Wendell Berry's writings, and him ta- he talks about the same thing, and it, and how mm. it applies to movement. We need variety and diversity. We need variety and diversity in our food. Our gardens need variety and diversity. We need variety and diversity in our skill sets, and it just I love how it's all echoing and rhyming. Um, it's just, it's, it's really just neat to see it come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I know when I was flipping through your book, cause I haven't read it yet. I just started, I started recently, but I haven't got through all of it cause I just got it in the mail. You mentioned something about movement permaculture and I, it caught my eye of course, cause that's speaking my language. Um, was that kind of the, the idea that you just explained to us or was that a different concept? I just wanted to ask you about it cause it, I thought it was a neat idea.
1: That's a different concept. I mean, that's an element of it. I kind of gave the some of the practical application of it um but movement permaculture is yeah, the idea of stacking the movement back into our life so there's another book for that, which is uh Grow wild and movement matters too and and um these are big ideas, so yes. they just need lots of books <laughs> and it's the idea that um what's i mean I don't have to everyone here listening probably knows mm-hmm. what permaculture is but what there's an efficiency to nature where many, many things are happening in a moment of time it's a way of looking at <clears throat> the density of things happening in a period of time because we've separated movement out like movement has always been the spine or the backbone of of culture of societies and then i i would say my friend um, philip brass would say it's also food. And of Mm -hmm. course, movement and food have never been able to be separated. They are the same. They are the same pursuit. They've always been the same pursuit. Only recently have we peeled movement away from food. Have we peeled movement away from shelter? Have we peeled movement away from celebration? We've peeled it away from community. We've peeled it away from parenting. We've peeled it away from everything. But yet, as you said early in the beginning, of this show, everyone knows they need to move and move more. So, what do you do when you've peeled it away from every other functional task that needs to happen? Is now all of the things, all of our needs that we have are met in series, one after the other. And again, Grow Wild is the book to dig into this the most because I actually have the charts of like, here are our needs, they are all the same. Right. It's sleep and food and movement and community relationships, education, work. Right. They're, they're pretty standard um, across the human board. And, um, all of them used to sort of happen all at the same time. There wasn't this idea of now I go to work and now I'm on parent duty and and, like now it's time for dinner. And this is what I'm, what I'm thinking about food. They all happened in a stacked, fashion. So a movement permaculture is the idea of instead of trying to get your movement needs met in series that 30 minutes that 60 minutes and then oh my you know my kids need to move I mean I'm a parent not everyone's a parent but like that's also a thing that we struggle with now especially in this new this novel environment of tech rich, distractive rich, entertainment rich landscape that you can't really escape um with children is like, we still need to be dealing with their physical bodies, even though their mental body is completely absorbed in elsewhere. And it's just yeah. too overwhelming. So it's like, we're going to stack it. You're going to look for tasks, single tasks that stack all those functions. So in a single period of time, you are outside and getting your nature exposure. You are learning about food production um you're passing that on to the next generation you're being informed by the generation above you you are also contributing to the calories that that are essential for all of us to um, happen um and you're also going to be able to do it with an element of celebration because so much celebration actually was the celebration of the fact that you were alive to be able to labor like that was the celebration sorry yeah. but that was a celebration um we made it yep. and we get to do it again and so we've got all these celebratory traditions without recognizing that at their root is this um celebration of 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 life and, ab- and abundance because that's not always the case and certainly um labor is rife with problems um but also I believe that the solution is us up taking more of our labor and seeing and seeing and taking it with gratitude, yeah. you know, um, yeah. because that is, for me, that is, for, for me, that is what I've seen as the way out of a lot of problems for a lot of people, but it starts with this reframe. Um, so that's what movement culture, sorry, no, long, long answer. Movement culture is how to layer them all back together again. So one, you're doing, you're doing fewer tasks, less countable tasks, fewer countable tasks, but you're getting more done in the same period of time, which is what permaculture is trying to mimic. How can I, how can I manage this less and do less input by my main input being, um, picking the perfect way of organizing this. So nature just doing its thing meets its needs. Cause right now society, is is failing to meet most people's needs. It's meeting all of the wants and the needs are falling by the wayside. And we are all struggling in a variety of ways, in a variety of ways that relate to our health. And if you go back to your earlier question, is like, what are some of the things that people experience? A lot of them, a lot of them are movement deficiencies. um, Because again, we are trying to get away from discomfort and labor can be really uncomfortable, especially if you—that's your mindset for it. So it's a way of yes. of um, looking at optional labor as um, positive choice.
0: Mm, man, you're speaking my language. That is that is my whole my whole thing these days. <laughs> and I I think the the phrase that has really just been coming to my mind over and over the last couple of years, especially as the homesteading movement has grown is I'm like, you know, I'm excited to see you all are getting into the sourdough and the tomatoes, but like, there's more, it's bigger. And to me, it's really just exactly what you described. It's yes, come into it because you want, you know, organic food, but you might not realize that you're going to get better movement. You're going to have better mental health. You're going to be connected to nature. You're going to have something to celebrate with your family. And I think that's just the beauty of, the homestead lifestyle. And I love that you're taking these principles beyond just the homesteading niche because I I don't believe everyone has to have property and a milk cow and chickens or gardens in order to experience this sort of permaculture idea. But um, I think that stacking is definitely the key. When people are like, how do you do everything? I'm like, well, you know, we're kind of multi-purposing some of these tasks and it gets really exciting when we figure that out.
1: Right. Yeah. Doing things in series, you'll never get it done because there's not enough time to do all the things. And I think that people who... Um, are picking things up in series, that's the pressure that they feel. Is like, I can't add any more things. And it's like, I absolutely understand and yes. agree with that. We need fewer things that are, we need a more nutrient-dense yes. life. We need periods of time that are more nutrient-dense that are meeting yeah. our needs. Oh man, you have so many
0: quotable things. I mean, I'm just writing all these, I'm like, these are tweets, man. These are so good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> oh my goodness. So we're we're running up on time. And I know you have a busy schedule. So as we, we put a, a bow on this, can you give us a quick rundown of your books? I know you have many and maybe point my audience kind of with your knowledge of what they're into and in their mindset, which ones should they start with mm-hmm. first?
1: Well, oh my gosh. Sorry. Like, which question. of your children are your favorite? <laughs> I, I know. And I only have two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have like nine yes. books. Okay. So Uh, Okay. The, the library that I think would probably be like to cover the ideas that we talked about would be rethink your position, grow wild, move your DNA and movement matters. So those are four that would be, they're, they're a library that is addressing your physical body. So that's in there of like, what do I start doing for my physical body? Um, and then it also, um, helps that transition of celebrating labor and seeing, Seeing what's happened, like, what are the other societal issues that come with outsourcing our labor to other people who don't have the choice to take it or not to to machines? And like, how are, how are we part of, and like, and not in a judgmental way, but just in this idea of noticing, becoming mindful to it. Like, these are complex problems that don't have fast solutions, but you can't solve anything that you um, Mm. haven't seen that you're unaware of. So this is like this idea of, um... We're making movement choices all the time, but most of them are headed down to us and we didn't know that there were other ways. Um Grow Wild is Grow Wild is I would say my most beautiful book and and it's it's geared for anyone creating space for children. It doesn't have to be parents, but it can be allo parents, um anyone interested in their own development and then also just uh anyone, I mean we all are creating space for children um whether you have children or yeah. not. You know, that can go for doctors offices, teachers, um, any health professional that is creating a space for children and, and putting on with other, whether we realize, realize it or not, like biases and rules about not moving that we're not even like, we're totally off of our radar. And then move your DNA is about movement science. It's really talking about that movement while we talk about it as a whole body phenomenon, calories, mm-hmm, right? Yes. Calories, just movement calories, just do it, do it for so many minutes, do it for so many steps, like really sort of like, clunky, blunt measuring tools that really movement is happening on a cellular level and, and not of our cell, not all of our cells are being moved. And so it it just helps uh, understand this concept of load and, and, and also that's talking about the history of time of humans. That's, that's like the book that really gets into why we would want to use sort of a hunter gatherer Model for understanding, like society has changed um much faster than our bodies could ever possibly keep up with, and and that we are just in a mismatch situation. And so, no, you do not have to go back. To I, I, we need another word. Like we keep wanting to yeah. say, like go back, right. but it's not about that. It's really movement yes. is the way forward. Movement is how you go forward. Movement is how you go forward. You're yeah. not going back with movement. Movement is here to stay. It is it is what life is. I mean, animals are anime, yes. animated. That's where the word comes from. It is like, that's what sets us apart from plants, which are also alive, but, um, and they also move frankly, but they're moving at such, on such a different scale that it's not detectable as it is in animals. And that's, um, yeah. So that, that series would just, you could pick, you know, if you're like interested in your own body, you could go through, I think your position, if you're interested in just movement science, move your DNA. If you really want to stack your life movement permaculture, it's like full color and breaks down our lives into a mm. series of containers that you consider stacking from how you get dressed into clothes that do or do not, um, encourage movement to that celebration yeah. piece, which is my favorite chapter to aloe parenting. What do allo parents like? How are allo parents part of, the great you know, cycle of life and what we all need throughout our period of time and, and then of school or education, home, food, yes. the food container, like why we need to raise um, children to be uh, yes. literate in food. And, and again, celebration of we might be moving our children away from labor without even realizing it by just how we talk about jobs that involve labor and, and what our truest desire is for our, the next generation. Yeah. Oh, man.
0: I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go, we're going to go buy some books. We get off the call. Um, And just, I want to encourage you guys listening. (laughs) I was so impressed with Rethink Your Position, which is the one I have right now. Katie's one of us. I just want to say like it's accessible and it's, it's just Mm -hmm. easy to read and digest. So uh, you won't be disappointed. And it's a great addition to your homestead journey. And then Katie, where can folks connect with you online if they want to follow along with what you're
1: doing? Nutritious Movement. Everything. So Nutritious Movement is the website, Nutritious Movement on, on social media. And then I have a podcast, Move Your DNA, which sort of digs into these topics. Like you can pull out different things that you're interested in, whether it's nerding out on a body part or looking at more of the movement called permaculture. And I, the topics are all sort of over the place, but they're always movement centric and how you might. Like, mm. what problem are you trying to solve? That movement might be a solution that you haven't thought about. All
0: right, everybody go follow along with Nutritious Movement. Katie, thank you so much for being here today. This was um, so good. And even, I think, even better than I was expecting. Just thank you for sharing your wisdom and your expertise. And (laughs) movement calories and movement permaculture are going to stick with me. So thank you for that. Thanks for having
1: me, everyone.